Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, called Pure Worship. I don't know when the last time you or I could say that I just parked, paused, and looked at a sunset or a bird in flight or the crashing of waves or a snow-covered mountain or a beautiful sunset and just was in awe and delighted in God and His creation. And by the way, it goes on to say that wisdom here get, is given voice and wisdom says, I was also rejoicing in the people that God had made. And I know sometimes, you know, we look at people and if people agree with us, then we can rejoice in them. And if they don't agree with us, then we, we kind of get angry. But we're to rejoice in people. People, to my understanding, are the only ones that have been made in the image of God. Amen? And so we're to try to find joy in people. Do you know, I think Jesus did this. I think he was able to see people at their best. I will, I will tell you this. Uh, I have a pastor's heart, so I tend to see people in their best light. Instead of picking apart their weaknesses, I tend to, and I'm not tooting my horn, it's just kind of the way God made me, to look at the positives of, of people. I am an optimist at heart. And I, I hope that you can find that in the Lord. And if you tend to be negative about people, maybe you can ask the Lord to give you new eyes to see them. I think that's really the key to all of this, is we have to have the eyes of the Lord to see people the way He sees them. Amen? And to give them the same amount of grace that we want God to give us. It's important because I think this is the heart of our Lord. Now, I want to tell you that rejoicing always, because some of you look at verse 16 and you're like, really? You got to be kidding. Like, always? Uh, I think that this language would lend itself to an understanding of a habit of life. Let me explain. There's a verse in Romans that says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You, I don't think you can be weeping and rejoicing at the same time, although perhaps that's possible. Uh, the Bible lays out times when we grieve. We don't grieve like those who have no hope, but yet we grieve. It would be hard to imagine grieving and rejoicing simultaneously. So let me just give you some encouragement to say this is more about a habit of life. Are you characterized by rejoicing or complaining? Which would it be? I'm talking about habit of life now. I'm talking about that which ultimately defines you, not little snippets where you have a bad day or a bad moment or something happens and you're bummed out. That's, that's not the issue here because that is what we fight as humans. But could you say, could I say, that most of the time I'm rejoicing in the things that the Lord has given me in my life. I believe that you can choose that. The disciples came back to Jesus, the 70 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus goes on to say in Luke 10, 20, don't rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, 
but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Please hear what I'm about to say. I know life is hard, and I know we lose people, and there's a lot of inexplicable things that go on. But here's our ultimate hope and joy is heaven. Amen? Our names are recorded as believers in heaven. And Jesus said, that's what you need to rejoice about. That you know where you're going. That you know where people that have trusted in the Lord along with you are going. This is the joy that we have. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Revelation 19.7. And then I'll give you one more. I think we should rejoice about salvation. And what I mean is when other people get saved. Trying to give you a list of things that you can rejoice in. And I've given you several, but here's another one. See, there's more joy in heaven, Jesus said, over one sinner who comes to repentance. And if you want to get joy back, how about you start evangelizing? How about you start leading other people to the Lord? Because you're going to find that they're going to be your joy and your crown of exaltation. If heaven rejoices over one sinner, that comes to repentance, how much more should we? Amen? So if you've lost your passion for souls, if you can't remember the last time you tried to plant a seed or pray that someone would come out of darkness into his marvelous light, maybe that's why you're bummed out because you're not about the eternal business of the kingdom, but you're about the temporal stuff that's all going to go away eventually anyway. And so rejoice always, I think, is a habit of life. Rejoicing in the harvest. Rejoicing that, as Jesus tells the, the story in Luke 15, this son, we had to rejoice and be merry. Luke 15, 32, for this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, Habakkuk ends his book by saying, though the fig tree should not blossom, there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail. The fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And so this, these are the things I think that can give us joy. This is... Uh, from a scholar, he says, Indeed, few things about the New Testament church are more remarkable than this, the continual stress on joy. From an outward point of view, there was little to make believers rejoice, but they were in Christ. They had learned the truth of his words, no one will take your joy away, John 16, New Testament Christianity is permeated with the spirit of holy joy, simply because Christians are permeated with the presence of of Christ. There's no doubt that there will be times of sorrow and pain, but our rejoicing in the Lord deep down will remain. Supernatural joy comes from the Lord, and Paul had found it. And Paul had a tough life as a missionary, amen? He had death threats. He had cities he went into where they left him for dead, beat him up, and yet this man is talking about joy. So if he can talk about it, I think we can in Southern California, don't you think? 
If this man who put his life on the line every single day for the gospel could have joy and write it from a prison cell, I think we can find our joy. And our joy, of course, is in the Lord. Do not be grieved, Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Positive number two, verse 17. Pray. Okay, it's going to get a little more challenging. Rejoice always and pray. What's the Bible say? Continually or pray without ceasing. And all God's people say, what? (laughs) How do you pray continually? I read an article some years ago and there was a Christian man who tried to live out this verse. He was going to try to make his life one of continual, unceasing prayer. Lasted about 15 minutes. <laughs> it's hard, right? Because we're often, you know, we're at work or we're, you know, doing something else. Our focus is elsewhere. How do you pray without ceasing? Should, be, should you be, you know, walking around on your knees, <laughs> repeating the Lord's Prayer? What is this all about? What is Paul saying? Well, one way to take the language is to pray without omission. Don't omit praying. And that's something that's easy to do. I think all of us could look at our prayer lives and say, oh, it needs improvement. But Paul's verb for prayer in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is a verb which expresses worship or devotion. This is important. Some say it's best captured in a life that has a Godward gaze. A Godward gaze. Maybe walking that out, here's a good way to explain it. It's a person who is living their life, whether they're on the freeway at work, doing a workout, spending time with family and friends, whatever it may be. And on a sub-level, there's an awareness of the presence of God in their lives. And almost a constant idea of communication. That is, sometimes... When we have a close relationship with somebody, it's not about talking. It's just about being. Everybody with me? You don't have to be talking necessarily to be close to somebody. You can just be there. It's, see, praying, praying continually is not about words. It's about your heart. It's about the orientation of your soul. It's about when something good happens, do you say, Lord, thank you? Or you meet somebody and maybe on a sub-level you could be shaking their hand and you're at work and you say, Lord, I pray that I could be a positive impact on this person. I pray if they they don't know you, that they would come to know you. On a sub-level, it's possible to have a Godward gaze, but more than that, even be praying in your soul. And by the way, praying in your heart is just fine. You don't always have to voice it. There's power in prayer voice, but there's also power in prayer spoken from the heart. And by the way, the posture of prayer is interesting. You don't have to pray with your head down and your eyes closed. In John 17, when Jesus prays his great high priestly prayer, he actually looks up to heaven with his eyes open. You ever become a prayer Nazi in a prayer meeting? And uh, people are praying, and you start looking around to see if everybody's got their head bowed. Hey, hey, their eyes are open. They must not be praying. And here's the big question. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. In John 17, when Jesus prays his great high priestly prayer, he actually looks up to heaven with his eyes open. You ever become a prayer Nazi in a prayer meeting? And uh, people are praying and you start looking around to see if everybody's got their head bowed. (laughs) Hey, hey, their eyes are open. They must not be praying. And here's the big question. Why are your eyes open and why are you scanning the room being legalistic? Aren't you condemning yourself? And all God's people said, ouch. (laughs) Yes. See, now we were in a men's Bible study studying John 17 at a donut shop. And we ended in prayer. And I said, everybody, don't bow your head and close your eyes. Everybody look up. And we looked up at the top of the donut shop. (laughs) Wasn't that spiritual, apparently. But anyway, but when Jesus said this prayer, Uh, I believe he was still in the upper room. It's possible that he was outside. But the lifting up of your eyes is okay, too. I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. So the posture is not as important. Because some of you were thinking that immediately. How would I do that? Prayer is not the moving of lips, says Leon Morris. It's the elevation of the heart to God. Heed the sound of my cry for help. Psalm 5, verse 2. My King and my God For to you do I pray. To pray without ceasing could include intercessory prayer. It's a general word for prayer here. And I could spend my day praying for others as well. So, if you want to find your joy, one way to find joy is to get your eyes off yourself and start praying for others. Remember how I told you these three positives are interconnected? So let's say that you wake up on Monday morning and you start your routine and you start to say, Lord, I'm, I'm praying for so-and-so and so-and-so. Would you bless so-and-so and cover them? And I heard that there's a sick relative over here, so would you have mercy on them? And start to go down and pray for people. You, you can do that 
while you're doing other things because the Lord knows your heart. Amen? So to pray without ceasing is a Godward gaze. It's Prayer, in one sense, is being conscious of His presence wherever we are. It is the realization of my dependence on Him as I fellowship with Him and yield to Him, filled up with His Spirit, ready and able to do His will. I've heard some amazing stories uh, about people who took God up on His promises and spent their life just saying, Holy Spirit, lead me, and had amazing encounters that probably never would have happened unless they had prayed that and been looking for opportunities, something like this. Lord, you've given me today, so would you lead my feet to someone who needs encouragement? Would you lead my feet to someone who needs to hear the gospel? That starts to get your eyes off of yourself. It can give you a deep-seated joy, and you look for opportunities to redeem your time. Amen? That's what it means to pray without ceasing. It means that be open to his will for your life. Prayer reminds me who I am in Christ, that I serve Him. Prayer relieves me of those things I'm tempted to worry about, carry and lose my joy. I cast those things to my Father. I cast all my anxiety to Him because He cares for me. He revives me as I pray, as I fellowship with Him. He touches me and fills me. Effective ministry and service will always flow from abiding prayer, fellowship, and worship. Acts 6.4 the apostles say, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Abraham Lincoln. I've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and of those about me seemed insufficient for the day to fulfill the task. We can come up with all kinds of strategies and we can make our lists Plan A, B, C, D, E. But George MacDonald says, In whatever man does without God, he must fail miserably or succeed more miserably. <laughs> See, if we start to do this on our own and it becomes all about our agenda and our kingdom, even if we succeed, we will fail. So this is what it means to be in fellowship with God. It's relational. We are to rejoice in hope, persevere in tribulation, Romans 12, 12, and be devoted to prayer. There's much more that could be said, but I will tell you that I think a Godward gaze will get rid of a lot of your worries. The story of Mary and Martha is apropos here, right? Mary is sitting at the Savior's feet, drinking in his words, Martha running around, Preparing a meal for the Lord. Come on. This is not a time to be spiritual. We're making a rigatoni. Now it's a Jewish household. A falafel. <laughs> right? Tell that sister of mine, she thinks she's so spiritual, <laughs> to help me, Lord. Loose paraphrase. Whoa, Mary. <laughs> Hold on, girl. You're worried and upset about so many things, but only one thing is really necessary. And your sister, oh, the sorry sister, has chosen the better part. And it won't be taken away from her. Now, it doesn't mean that you spend 24-7 sitting somewhere before an altar or something like that. But it's the heart of Mary that we need to grasp. 
See, there's a way to order your life where you live it before the presence of God as you devote yourself to prayer and devotion. Quaker Thomas Kelly says, there's a way of ordering mental life in more than one level at once. On one level, we can be thinking, discussing, seeing, calculating, meeting all the demands of external affairs. But deep within, behind the scenes at a profounder level, we may also be in prayer and adoration, song and worship, and gentle receptiveness to divine breathings, close quote. You see, folks, if you think that worship is about the time that you spend in this building, you don't know what worship is. This is part of your worship. The singing portion of our service is music ministry, and it is an expression of worship. But this should then catapult you into your life of worship where you are not conformed to the world, transformed by the renewing of your mind, you present yourself as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to Him. Amen? Huh? Anybody? Oh, okay. Like, no. <laughs> no, I feel, I feel convicted. I'm not going to say the end. <laughs> Number three. Verse 18. Positive imperatives. In everything, what's your Bible say? Give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A lot of people are always asking about the will of God. What's the will of God in my life? Well, the will of God in verse 3 of chapter 4 is that you abstain from sexual immorality, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. This is the will of God. You be sanctified and abstain from sexual immorality. And then to chapter 5, another verse about the will of God. And scholars would say that all three imperatives, positive imperatives, are included in that summation so that this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus is rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks or give thanks in all circumstances as the NIV has it, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will is that we are a thankful people. You've been listening to Pure Worship Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And in case you were wondering, Michael Lance is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. If you live in Southern California, we'd love it if you would join us for any one of our church services, Bible studies, or one of the many events we do throughout the year. You can stay up to date by downloading the Living Truth app. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael with some final words. You know, sometimes when we're having a tough time in life, like we might be kind of overheated emotionally or angry or frustrated, a well-meaning brother or sister in the Lord might say, give it to God. Just give it to God. Pray more. And sometimes like, how do I pray when I'm mad and that's probably the best time to pray. It's not like the Lord doesn't know that you're mad, <laughs> right? So you could say something like this, Lord, I'm angry and I'm frustrated, but I'm going to give my anger to you. And I'm asking that you'll help me to be joyful and you'll help me to, to pray. And, and even as you're praying, 
Remember, prayer is not about some formality. It's about a relationship. If you were frustrated and you went to your dad and you said to your dad uh, on this earth, your physical dad, dad, I'm angry, dad, I'm mad. And let's say that dad talked you down. Dad gave you some good advice. Well, our heavenly father is our Abba. And if you come to him and you say, Abba, I'm frustrated, I'm mad. I want to break something. I want to do some damage. You know, he's going to give you the grace that you need. That's why pure worship is about going to him with our frustrations, with our anger, with our, even in the middle of a temptation, Lord, I am so tempted to do this right now. Would you help me? Because I don't, I don't want to dishonor your name. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. I want to worship you in the way that I live. God is faithful. That's what you're going to find. It's not always going to be easy. Even to get there to prayer won't be easy, but God is faithful. And he's our great high priest, and he helps us in time of need. This is Pastor Michael. We're dealing with pure worship here on Walk in Truth. I'm so glad you're listening. I'm so glad that you are a part of our family. Hey, tell a friend about what you're hearing on the broadcast, and tune in for the next segment on pure worship. More to come, more good stuff. God bless you. We'll see you then. And one final reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. So if you can, please give your $5 donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, called Pure Worship. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.